were created for it. I said you were created for it. I want to share with you tonight on a concept that I believe will be healthy and whole. I want to teach and talk tonight. My prayer has been leading up to tonight's service. Don't want to come in here and preach so hot it blows over your head. I'd rather slow pitch this thing to you so you catch it and chew on it and eat it and grow from it. Amen? So that's my heart's desire. I said, Lord, help me to reach them tonight in a way that they apply the word. Let's be honest, sometimes Dominion Church can be like a glory fire hose. The glory's blowing, people, the spirit of God's moving, people getting healed, running, jumping, hallelujah. And where the gospel of the kingdom is preached, these signs will follow. But I also believe sometimes we need to pump the brakes. We need to make sure we do a wellness check. We do, you know, safety inspection, make sure everyone's good before we move on. And that's kind of the heart of this message tonight. I want to just talk to you. I want to share some practical truth with you, and I believe it'll really help you. It's actually coming out of an excerpt of a book that for the last six years I've been writing. And uh, so you pray for me. I've, got, I've probably got three quarters of it written, but never have had the release to really go forward with publication of it. But I do know that it will greatly help many pastors and ministry leaders. And so I want to just speak to your hearts tonight. I want to speak to you tonight about the concept of up and out. Up and out. Up and out. Do you ever realize that the relationships all around you seem to get crazy when your relationship with the Lord is not where it needs to be? If there's one thing I've learned, you can be no good to anybody else until you're first good for yourself with the Lord. See, the real reality of it is, is that everybody in this room operates that way. And that's the reason why the chaos will often encroach upon your life is because the enemy doesn't have to destroy you. He just has to get you busy. If he can keep you occupied, he can keep you out of his presence. There's a story in the Bible, I'm not going there tonight, but just referencing it. I referenced it actually one night in revival. The Bible says that Mary is at the feet of Jesus. She's washing his feet with her tears. She's pouring oil, a very costly spikenard upon his feet. She's there worshiping the Lord, pouring out her heart unto the Lord, taking her hair and washing his feet with her hair and tears and this oil. The Bible says, though, that her sister Martha is also in the house, and Martha is busy doing dishes. Worship is happening in the proximity of work. One gets it, one doesn't. Here's the reality. I believe, this is just speculation, but either Martha had just allowed a meal to be served and she was cleaning up after the meal, or she was washing dishes probably to prepare for a meal. The problem is that she failed to realize who was sitting at the table. And the greatest challenge to you as a believer will be not getting caught up in the work when you're called to worship. The greatest challenge to you as a believer will be not worrying about preparing, but more focused on his presence. Don't get focused on dirty dishes when the master is sitting at the table. 
Acts 13 and 2 is my text for tonight. Says that they, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And I want to go on to verse 3. And it says, and then they have, having fasted and prayed, laying hands on them, they had sent them away. Watch this. They ministered unto the Lord. Everyone do this. This is not ministering unto the Lord, but this is, they ministered unto the Lord, right? Now watch this. Then they laid hands on them and they sent them. Watch. Up and out. They ministered unto the Lord, fasting, worshiping, praying, proclaiming the word of God. Their their focus first was upward, but then after they received the revelation they needed upward, guess what? It wasn't until they got focused upward that now they could look outward and begin to put hands. Y'all hear me? Because I speak to a lot of ministers, a lot of pastors, follow our ministry. I've got a senior leadership team. Listen to me. You're never good for the out if you're never focused on the up. Your relationship in every spectrum of your life will first flow up and then it will flow out. How do ministries get burned out? I'll tell you how. They get burned out because they never get burned up. If you'll start burning up, you'll never burn out. The reason why the enemy wants to occupy your time is because if he can stop your upward focus, he'll annihilate your outward focus. Ministries get shut down not because of the fact that they're inconceivable or, 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 or can't do the work of the ministry. It's because they quit ministering unto the Lord and now their focus gets so outwardly focused, forsaking the fact that when they started this thing, it was completely upwardly focused. They went up before they went out. Watch, Matthew 14. I just want to teach to you tonight. I want you to catch this. It'll be beneficial. Listen to me. Every relationship in your life will be affected based on, the, uh, based on the condition of your relationship with the Lord. Do you know how sons fall out of relationship with daddies? I'll tell you how. Because if they would ever grasp the concept of their heavenly father, they wouldn't hold their earthly father to such high abilities and setting themselves up for disappointment. How do husbands and wives fall out? I'll tell you how. The old cliche statement, a family that prays together stays together. There's a lot of truth in that. I posted a thing, uh, Barna Pew research on pastors this last week. 95% of pastors confess to not uh, consistently praying with their spouse. Oh, we'll pray it down in the hospital though, baby. Oh, we'll, we'll smear the glory all over the altar. And then we get home and our, and our husbands or wives, uh, are, we never pray together. And then we wonder why this relationship is in chaos. I'll tell you why. Because there's no upward focus in the relationship. Listen to me, wife. You got a husband that doesn't want to serve the Lord? Keep serving God. Watch, I'm going to help you. You got a wife that doesn't want to serve the Lord? They don't want to be in church? Who cares? Keep serving God. Because either God is a liar, either he's a liar, or he's got this thing figured out. Because in Matthew 6 and 33, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. He said, look up before you ever look out. He said, if you'll focus on this, You say, well, preacher, I did, and my wife left me. Congratulations, she wasn't the right one. Hallelujah. You married the wrong one, and when you got focused on Jesus, he said, let me beat the dust off your life. 
But too many times we're worried about fixing all these relationships when this relationship is in shambles. And if we would fix this relationship, every relationship around us would get fixed. Matthew 14, 13 through 33. Yes, I'm going to read that much Bible. Congratulations, you're in church tonight. Oh my gosh, he's going to read 10 verses. No, 20. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place. I want you to catch that concept that he's going to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. Let's go. All right. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. And then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. And so they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. I want to stop. Leave 22 up. That's fine. They can read it. Leave it up. Whatever. That's fine. Okay. Jesus has 5,000 people in front of him. The disciples are like, hey, like, let's just send them on their way. We did our thing. Glory to God. You preached. You preached, pastor. Now send them on their way. Jesus says, no, we're not going to send them away hungry. Let's feed them. They said, well, we have nothing. He says, well, find me what you do have. So the fish and the loaves and all that. But watch this. The Bible says that he went up before he ever went out. The moment that you begin to do ministry out and then up, you know what happens? You come up short. Why was the fish and bread multiplied? I'll tell you why the fish and bread was multiplied. Because he went up before he went out. Listen to me, let me speak to some people that you feel like you're running on fumes. The reason why you're running on fumes is because you're too focused out and you're not enough focused up. Because when you get upwardly focused, the Bible says you'll begin to run on abundance, Mason. The Bible says that what you'll do is you'll literally begin not only to minister to everybody, my God, hear me tonight. I need to help some ministers in this house tonight. What will happen is that if you'll get upward focused, you're not only going to be able to minister to everybody he puts in your path, but the Bible says you're bringing home some extras. You got some to-go plates. In other words, when you get hungry at midnight, you got something in the refrigerator. You ain't all poured out. There's some something there for you to consume. He said, you're not just going to be able to minister and reach them. He said, you're going to take home the abundance with you. There'll be an overflow. You, you are called to run on fumes, baby. If you're running on fumes, it's because you're running outwardly focused and not upward. All right. 22. And immediately Jesus said to his disciples, get in the boat Go before him to the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away. 
And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind and the boisterous, and he was afraid and began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him and saying unto him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Watch. And then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. He went up to the mountain. He went up to the mountain to pray while his disciples went out on the other side. Listen, we have to be willing, watch this, we have to be willing to commune with the Father if we're ever going to the other side. Catch this. The boat would have never made it if the one that was upward focused didn't get inside the boat. Some of you have got so many people in your life that are so outwardly focused, they're sinking your boat. Do you know why? Because they're not upwardly focused. It takes somebody with an up, my God, hear me. I'm I'm telling you, this word is going to help some people tonight. It, It takes somebody that knows what it means to spend time with God getting in your boat so the wind and the storms and the seas and the waves, that feeling like you're going to sink, if you want it to stop, get around people that are upward focused. Because immediately when he got in the boat, guess what? Everything that was contrary ceased. Chaos breeds in the midst of people that are outward focused. Hallelujah. Notice, the ones that didn't go up, didn't go all the way out. We must be surrendered enough to look up before we can ever look out. We have to get to a place, even in this ministry, where we understand everything we do is driven from an upward focus. Services, guess what? They're not focused here. They're focused here. Community outreach, guess what? Community outreach doesn't happen until this church gets to a level that is so upwardly focused that we're overflowing outwardly. Pastor, why don't we do any more drive-through prayer? Because I can't get six people to show up to prayer meeting. But but I I got 20 that want to go downtown and lay hands on. You ain't ready for those devils. When we begin to see an upward focus, we'll see an outward focus. You gotta reach up before you can ever reach out. See, this revival that we just walked through honestly was the fruit of people that were willing to reach up. 10 people roughly for 21 days gathered here for prayer. They prayed, they asked God, God to move. One man I know was gloriously saved, not only saved, supernaturally healed. His throat was cut. If you weren't in revival, you missed it. His throat was cut. He literally had a slit from here to here across his throat. When they cut his throat and threw him in the ditch for him to die, 
it severed a main artery in his leg that his leg would not function. The night he knelt down to give his heart to the Lord, he could not even bend that knee to kneel before the Lord. But the next night he came back and, 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 and God was moving in a supernatural way. Maybe it was the night after. I don't know, two nights later. I don't know. Point in case is, is that night that he came back, he was now saved. But not only was he saved, he was set free. He had an appointment with a physical therapist that day that was canceled. And I know now why it was canceled. Because he had another appointment with the great physician. He got healed and began to run around this sanctuary numerous times. How many of y'all remember Gene? Come on and give God praise for Gene. What am I saying? That kind of outward manifestation can never happen unless there's an up, upward focus. We all want to see signs, miracles. Oh God, show us your glory. You ain't ready for the glory because you haven't been in private enough to receive the glory for yourself. God's point of up and out is demonstrated on the cross of Calvary. Watch, it's the point where the vertical and the horizontal intersect. Watch, I'm going to teach you something. The cross of Calvary is the point where vertically we connect with Almighty God, sin is defeated, condemnation is non-existent, and death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? But horizontally, we connect to the ones that we love, both community and society, family and friends, sinner and saint. See, it's everything's flowing from the vertical. Everything's flowing from the vertical. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up before it's ever out. It's through the cross of Christ that we have re, uh, an upward that brings redemption. It's, it, it's through the cross of Christ that reaching out we have relationship. It's through the cross of Christ that reaching up we have holiness, but reaching out we have humility. It's reaching up that brings unity, but reaching out that brings community. It's reaching up that brings the kingdom. It's reaching out that brings society. It's reaching up that brings righteousness. It's reaching out that brings receptiveness. It's the cross of Christ. Reaching up brings sanctification, but reaching out brings service. It's reaching up that brings heaven down to earth and it's reaching out that takes Darlington to heaven. The cross of Christ is both up and out. It's where humanity meets humility. It's the place where God and man intersect. It's the place where conviction marries compassion. It's the place where many men and women of God have, have been too long confound to one or the other. Come on. I find a lot of people, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Or I find some people that are so earthly minded, they couldn't reach heaven if you asked them to. It's a perfect intersection. It's a complete intersection. At that intersection of God and man, there is blood everywhere. It looks like the scene of an accident, but it was no accident. It was an absolute appointed point and place in time. It's there where the blood was applied. It's there where man and God collided. It's there where the humanity, 100% God, yet 100% man, divine in nature, the pure, spotless lamb of God, arms stretched wide, reaching out to community, saying, come and have unity with God. Our Lord and Jesus Christ. Christ reconciled us back unto God, the place of the cross. It's up 
and it's out. He knows how to reach out. He knows how to reach you exactly where you are. But he needs his people to reach him. Jesus got alone before he ever got available. Let's <laughs> say that again. You could put that in a little quote and send it to some friend in the ministry. He got alone before he ever got available. Jesus said, I can't focus on the multitude because I'm spent. I gotta focus on the Father. And when he got his focus on the Father, guess what happened? Seas that were drowning other people, he walked on. <laughs> Boats that were about to go down, he stepped in and they steadied. Winds that were blowing contrary ceased. Men that were full of fear now became abundant in faith. I'm telling you, when you spend time with the Father, you're ready for anything that this world will throw at you. Jesus understood he had to first get alone before he could ever make himself available. You know what some of y'all's greatest problem is? Your availability. Y'all need to swipe the do not disturb on your life a day or two. I posted a post yesterday that said, for every time you say no, you're actually saying yes to something else. How many times have we missed the yeses of God because we've been too busy telling yes to man? Where if we would have told no to man, we would have walked in a permission of yes unto God. Get up before you ever go out. Get upwardly focused. Don't try to get in ministry and you ain't got time to read the Bible. Let me tell you the biggest cancer for preachers. You know what the biggest cancer for preachers are? The only time they spend time in the Word, Jason, is when they need a word. Most pastors won't tell you that. I'll tell you that. The only time they get in the Word is to get a word, but the problem is, is they miss an appointment with the Word. And all of a sudden, it becomes like a bread shop that's prostituted in his presence where Jesus is standing at the counter. He's got hot loaves in the bakery, and a bunch of preachers run in. They grab this, and they're like, hey, I'll come back later. Never coming back and spending time with him. Only desiring hot bread. Let me tell you something. I don't want the bread. I want the recipe. I don't want the bread. I want the recipe. Show me the hands of the one that knows how to make it. So that I don't have to go get a word, but the word comes and lives inside of me. And when I walk, the word walks with me. Jesus understood the concept of up before it's out. It's the place where up, the gift is received, but it's out that the gift is given. Jesus understood time with the Father was time well spent. It was Jesus, you know, that was 12 years old, that when he goes to Jerusalem, for tax time, his parents drag him in, but he's nowhere to be found on the way out. They're looking around frantic. You know what, honestly, I think, I think Mary and Joseph parented like me. 
So let me tell y'all something. They didn't get in the car, crank it up, and be like, oh, he ain't here. Like, they went to Walmart. They cranked a car. Then they decided they needed something in Clemson. So they drove to Clemson to pick something up there. And then Joseph looks over at Mary. He's like, hey, I heard the beaches in Alabama are beautiful. Mary said, let's go. They drove on down to Alabama. When they get there, guess what? They're like, boy, it's quiet in this car. Jesus? Where's Jesus? Joseph, I can't believe you. I guarantee Joseph got blamed. Come on, man. Come on, man. I guarantee Joseph got blamed. They come back to Jesus. Guess where he is? He's standing in the synagogue amongst the religious teachers teaching the word of God, spending time in the word of God. And you know what his response is? Did you not know I'd be about my father's business? At 12 years old, he utters a truth that he will stand by the rest of his life. It's up before it's ever out. I got to spend time with him. I'm not worried about the journey. I'm not worried about where we're going. I got to make sure that before I go anywhere that I'm holding hands with him. I want to make sure that before I ever go out, God is with me. Before I ever go be a son, I got to first make sure that I'm with the Father. It was Jesus himself that before any miracles was, was performed, it was prayed. It's Jesus himself that reached up to take the cup of God's wrath, but yet reached out to pour out the cup of grace. It was up before it was ever out. If a community will be changed, it will first be changed by a church that understands it's up before it's ever out. Prayer brings the presence, and the presence comes with purpose. Stand with me all over the house. It's up before it's ever out. Your focus has to be him before it's ever them. Let me comfort you in some very convicting words. Their demand on your life does not compare to his demand. They want to busy you. He wants to bless you. They want your time. He wants your presence. They want to see what they can get. He wants to see what he can give. How do ministries not make it? They get so outwardly focused, they miss the reason that they were created. How do pastors backslide? They get so outwardly focused, they forget to look up before they ever look out. How do everyday normal church attenders come in and go through the motion Go through the motion. Go through the motion. Because they get so focused outwardly that when you're sitting in here, all you can think about is everything that's out there. But yet there's a portal from heaven right now, up and down, and all he's saying is, here I am. This is my challenge to you, to Dominion Church. Before we ever cry, God, give us this city. I'm going to say, God, help us 
give ourselves to you. I don't want this city if you don't have me. God, I don't want this city until I have what is seated. I don't want anything in this region until I first have my home. But God, I know I can't have any of that until you first have me. Every head bowed, every eye closed all over this room tonight. I'm preaching to you my heart tonight. A lot of it is birthed from a place of experience. A lot of it's produced in a furnace of affliction. It's revelation, it's not Google. But it's relevant for where you are tonight. If you'd be honest, you'd be willing between me, you, and God, that's all it needs to be. You're here tonight and you'll say, Pastor, I need to learn to reach up. I need to learn to get upward focused. Everything around me has my outward attention. I'll burn out if I keep going the way I'm going. Will you pray for me? I want to I get back to the heart of worship. I want to get back to the place where it's all about you, Jesus. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm coming. I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the place where it was all about you and me. And everything that I'm walking in now in my life is a sole result of everything of that time that you and me spent together. If that's you tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed, will you raise your hand so I can see where you are and who you are? Thank you. Thank you. Come on. All over this room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is what I'm going to simply ask you to do. If you're sincere, step out to go up. Come on, step out to go up. Come out from amongst the crowd. Come out and come to this altar right now. Come, come, come kneel at this altar with arms up and you're saying, God, teach me again to go up. Teach me again, God, not to make it about them, but to make it about you again. God, I didn't get into this for them. I got into it for you. God, I accepted your call, not theirs. Hallelujah. Come on, surrender in this place. God, we're going up tonight. We're going up tonight. Here I am, Lord. Bring me back to that heart of worship. Bring me back to that place where it was just you and me, Jesus. Just you and me, Jesus. Where you were by everything and everything flowed from me and you. Hallelujah.